Hey everyone, welcome to the Prince of Peace podcast, where our aim is to help you live and love like Jesus. I'm Lauren Hlaud, one of the pastors of Prince of Peace. We're glad that you're here and we hope you enjoy. We start with gratitude. Because hope abounds, that's our theme this season in stewardship, the hope that we find in the gospel, the the hope that God gives us through the ministry, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Because that hope abounds, we start with gratitude. What a wonderful message for us as we're in this season of stewardship. Gratitude, where we recognize that everything we have, everything we've been given, our resources, our homes, the clothing that we wear, our own bodies, that is a gift from God. And so we start with gratitude, recognizing the source and the sustainer of all those good things in our lives. But we have a wonderful um, lesson today from Luke chapter 17. And I have a pop quiz for you. Are you ready for the pop quiz? It's not a rhetorical pop quiz. I'm actually quizzing you. What does today's gospel lesson, Luke chapter 17, the story of the ten lepers, all ten are healed, one returns, what does that story have in common with a parable that Jesus taught that is well known in Luke chapter 10, just a few chapters earlier, the parable of the good Samaritan, where the man or the person is in the ditch, the Levite passes by, the priest passes by, but then somebody passes by who cares for this person. What do these two two stories, two things in Luke have in common? The Samaritan, right? The Samaritan is the one whom we're supposed to um, focus on here as the model or the champion of a proper response, of, of, of proper care, right? Now, the Samaritans, the Samaritans, Um, in the time that Jesus was doing ministry, were not liked much by the the faithful Jews in Jerusalem. There were ethnic lines and divisions. There were some religious differences. But what's important to note is that the Samaritans, they worshipped God, they worshipped Yahweh, but they had different ways of doing it. Their history goes back to the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, the falling of the temple. There There were deep divisions these were people that, that most of the audience for Jesus would not want the Samaritans to be made the hero in the story. And yet Jesus chooses to do that time and again. In the parable of the Good Samaritan, it's not the priest or the Levite, it's not the religious leaders of the people who are the hero in his parable, rather it's the foreigner who shows mercy. And here in the cleansing of the ten lepers, We're told that the one who returned, who gave praise to Jesus, who showed gratitude for the healing, was a Samaritan. Which is interesting to note here what Jesus is subversively doing all all throughout his ministry. And And the author of Luke makes careful note of this, doesn't he? Now, elsewhere in the Gospels, people would come to Jesus as a rabbi and they would ask him another question. They would say, what is the greatest commandment? 
What is the greatest commandment? And what was Jesus' response? That's your second question. What did he say? Is this why you sit in the front row, Ruth? Is this it? You know, she's, she's right. Ruth, yes. Jesus responded, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. This is just an interesting note that I find here, um, the connection between these two. It's almost like the parable of the Good Samaritan was Jesus' way of highlighting that a Samaritan, a foreigner, one that many people might have wanted to exclude from God's wide welcome, was the model, the champion of what it meant to show neighborly love, to love your neighbor as yourself, to not count anyone a stranger, but rather to view everyone as a neighbor. And then here in the cleansing of the ten lepers, the one who returns falls at the feet of Jesus, showers praise and worship upon God as a model of what it looks like to love God. So here in Luke's gospel, we see that the ministry of Jesus is ever-expanding and that he's orienting the people to understand that fulfilling the greatest commandment of loving your neighbor and loving God, that can be done by anyone. And I think this is a timely message for us because there's no denying we live in an increasingly polarized country and world we easily draw lines in the sand and we, we tribalize. And here, Jesus is expanding people's understanding of what it truly means to live the life that really is life, that this can be done by anyone. And so he makes a hero out of the unlikely characters in his ministry. Or rather, he just points out their faith. It's their faith that has made them well. So one of the takeaways I have from this in reading through Luke carefully again and again is that we should be mindful of opening our eyes to the people in our midst, in our lives, that maybe we would like to ignore or maybe the people that we disagree with, could they actually be people that have something to teach us about discipleship, about loving God, about loving neighbor. It's a stretch for us. Certainly this leper who was cleansed has a lot to teach us about gratitude, doesn't he? About living with a thankful heart. And here in this story, he does six things. Rather, there are six action words associated with this little story. Did you pick up on them? First, when Jesus cleanses the ten lepers, he gives them, rather, as he's cleansing them, he tells them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they are going, they are made well. Their healing happens along the way. And the first thing that, that this Samaritan leper does is that he, he sees what God has done, what Jesus has done. His eyes are opened to this healing. He has eyes to see the work of God in his life. The second thing he does is he stops and he turns around and he returns to the source of that healing. 
The third thing he does is he praises and he worships Jesus. He praises and he worships the one who gave him that healing. First, he sees. Second, he returns. Third, he worships and praises. The fourth thing he does is he shows gratitude. He not only adores Jesus, he thanks Jesus. He recognizes that the source of the the blessing in his life has come from this one. But it doesn't stop there. The unfolding of of this gratitude continues when Jesus invites the man to get up. I think that more is going on here than the man just getting off the ground from worshiping God. Jesus here is is almost hinting at a resurrection-like experience. Get up. You who were lowly, you who have been outcast, you who have been estranged from your community and your family for, for who knows how long, get up, rise. And then the sixth and final act is that Jesus sends the man on his way to go. To go. When I think about gratitude in our lives, honestly, I forget, I forget to name the things I'm grateful for. Because my life is a lot like your lives, right? It's ever-increasing, fast-paced, go, go, go from one thing to the next. We live in an ever-increasingly hurried world. And with a a two-and-a-half-year-old and a six-year-old at home and a uh, sink full of dishes and laundry that piles up, it's sometimes hard to pause. Or better yet, to even have eyes to see those things in which to be grateful for. Our society conditions us to see the things that are burdens, the things that are yet to be done, the things that are left undone. But how important it is for us to adopt this posture of gratitude, to learn a lesson from this leper and from the six core actions that that he models for us. So my prayer this week is that I would actually have eyes to see what God has done and what God is doing in my life. Lord, give me those eyes to see all of the things for which I ought to be grateful for in spite of the sink full of dishes. Lord, thank you for a sink in which to put dishes. Instead of looking at the pile of laundry that is piling up, that that seems to be never-ending, Lord, thank you for clothing that I can wear. Instead of focusing on the kids screaming about not wanting to eat broccoli and Brianna pinching her brother at the dinner table and then Noah grabbing her back, Lord, thank you for two healthy kids that can scream and pinch and squirm. Do you see where this is going? Lord, give me eyes to see. Give me eyes to see. And then help me return to you. Help me to worship you. Help me to give you thanks, God, for these blessings. And then raise me up. Raise me up to live the life that really is life. A life not focused on building my own kingdom, but on sharing your goodness in the world. And then, Lord, send me out. Send us out to go share that perspective, to go away with renewed energy and renewed hope for the world. It's interesting. Three words that we encounter a lot throughout the narrative of Scripture, 
three words that we think about a lot when we think of our faith. Each of them has the same root word. Grace, gift, and gratitude. Each of these three words actually has the same root word. Grace. The gifts that we receive that we don't deserve. The love of God that is showered upon us even in the midst of our brokenness. Unmerited favor has the same root word as a gift, for that's what it is. It's a free, abundant gift that is not contingent on the the recipient's behavior, but on the attitude and the posture of the giver. That every good thing, every gift that we have in our lives, we receive as grace. Not because we earn it, not because we deserve it, but because the giver wants to give it. And what is our response to be? to all of these gifts and all of this grace that God showers on us. Gratitude. The same word. Gratitude. To honor and worship and praise and give thanks and then be raised up to new life and to be sent out. To be sent out. As we think about our stewardship, as we think about how we manage, how we steward the resources, the gifts, that we've been given, we start with gratitude. We start with recognizing that even though we work hard, even though we labor, even though we put to use the gifts we've been given, everything comes from the Creator. Everything is sustained by the Sustainer. That God is the source of every blessing in our lives. And so we begin by thinking about the commitments we will make with our time, with our talent, and with our treasure by understanding that we have a God whom showers all of these blessings on us. And our response and stewardship is one of gratitude. It's one of thanksgiving. It's one that we're encouraged to do joyfully, knowing that we are not the owner of any of these things. We're the stewards of them. Now, because our lives are hurried and busy, because we get overwhelmed with schedules, I know that there are many people here that after worship will be running across town to get to a soccer field or a lacrosse field. There are others that will be going to another commitment, and we're going to go home to our piles of laundry and our sinks full of dishes and our spouses whom we need to have those hard conversations with, I know that we're going to leave this place and enter back into a busy world. So maybe we end the sermon today with taking just a minute to pause so that we can see, we can return, we can name all those things for which we have to be grateful So for the next minute or so, I just invite you to pause. Take a deep breath in and let it out. Let's meditate on all of those things for which we are grateful. Lord, thank you for our lives even when our health is failing. 
God, thank you for our friendships and our relationships, even in the moments when they are strained. God, thank you for our homes, for our vehicles, for our transportation, even when they're costly. God, thank you for every good gift that you give us. Fill us with a sense of gratitude and an appreciation for you, the great and glorious giver. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Prince of Peace podcast. I hope that today's message has brought comfort and inspiration to your life. Have a great rest of the week.